Hi, this is Pastor Jeff Vines in Los Angeles, California, and all of our staff from all around the world who are involved in Today with Jeff Vines want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. So even though you and I now know that this is a foreshadowing of the Lamb of God whose blood will take away the sins of the world, to the people in Jesus' day, this practice or Passover referred back to Genesis where God was pointing everything toward the ultimate story and the ultimate Passover and the ultimate sacrificial lamb of Jesus, his son, the Christ, the Messiah, our Savior. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. Today. Today. Today with Jeff Fines. Hello and welcome. My name is Bill. Thanks for joining me again on Today with Jeff Vines. We have another wonderful Christmas message for you from Pastor Jeff. Now, it may not be a surprise to you that we know Jesus was not actually born on December the 25th. This doesn't necessarily discredit the Bible story. It's just a day the Western world adopted from another ancient Roman holiday to celebrate Jesus' birth. In this message, Pastor Jeff will walk us through some signs of how profound God's timing was. We can see how in the Old Testament, God was lining everything up for the birth of Jesus. How about we get into it now? This is Today with Jeff Vines. I want to take you on a wonder-filled Christmas journey. So I want you to get a cup of coffee or a cup of tea if you're at home. Sit, relax, and settle in because this is going to take some doing. We're going to have to do what we often have to do in a message like this. We're going to have to think a little bit and process. But if we do that and we allow ourselves to put all the information into the funnel, it'll come out flowing in the end and our eyes will be open and we'll see perhaps a light that we haven't seen in a long time. So the journey upon which I want to take you centers around Luke 2, a very famous Christmas narrative, but it begins by reminding you, and I know this is going to be a shock to some of you, that Jesus was most probably not born on December 25th. Now, some of you hearing that for the first time will say, wait, Pastor Jeff, you mean the Bible's wrong? No, not at all, because nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jesus was born on December 25th. Others are saying, what? Thanks a lot, Jeff. You have ruined Christmas. Well, that's not my intention. You can celebrate the birth of Jesus anytime you want. This is the day the West has chosen for various reasons. Go with it. Remember the miracle. That's the most important thing. Celebrate with passion and sing for joy and remember and make new Christmas memories. Eat the figgy pudding, which I have no idea why you would, or the fruitcake. And I've always said there's only one. We just keep passing it around to each other. Nobody actually ever eats it. Whatever you do in Christmas, celebrate. Celebrate Christmas, December 25th. That's okay. The problem is, until you recognize the birth of Christ, when it most probably was, you'll miss the miracle and the profundity of Christmas. So, the whole story starts in Luke 2 with these smelly, untidy shepherds living out in the fields. Now, say with me. 
The Bible says in Luke 2, verse 7 and 8, she, that's Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now that's clue one. Verse eight, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, the question is, and remember, Matthew writes his gospel and Luke to a certain extent for a Jewish audience to connect all the prophecies, the messianic prophecies with the eventualities experienced by Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and the first Christmas story. And so we're told that the shepherds are living out in the fields nearby. They're watching their flocks at night. And the question is, in a first century Jewish mind, what are the shepherds doing out in the fields at night? Why are the sheep not in the pens? Why are the shepherds keeping watch? That's a Greek word or a Greek construct for careful observation. So why are they taking careful observation of their flocks even at night out in the fields? And of course, there's only one answer, only one time of year that this would be true. And the answer is March and April. That's why there was careful observation, because that's when the sheep give birth to the lambs. That's what shepherds do when it's lambing season. They need to give immediate care to the little lambs. They're very valuable. They're, they have a measurable worth, especially for those in the, in the trade of shepherding and selling sheep. So March and April are the only times when shepherds are constantly watching their flocks by night. And remember, lambs are not like people. They're born at certain times of year. You and I, we can have a birthday at any calendar day, any calendar month, any calendar year. Lambs are specifically born in a certain time of year, in the springtime in Israel, March or April, which incidentally is also the month that is called Nisan. Now, this is important. And stay with me. I told you you're going to have to think a little bit. Nisan is the first month in the Hebrew calendar. So the Hebrew calendar is based on the moon. Actually, the word month comes from moon. Did you know that? It reflects a singular lunar cycle. So month represents the interval between one new moon to the next new moon or full moon or new moon. Rather, the full moon is in the middle of the month. So the Hebrew calendar is based on the cycles of the moon. Nisan is the first month of the Hebrew calendar, and it corresponds with March 21st or April 21st between that period and our calendar. And each new year in the Hebrew mind is incredibly significant because it's a chance for past sins, for everything and every offense that you've committed over the last year to be forgiven and to have a fresh beginning. Now, you and I celebrate New Year's and we're probably not even thinking in those terms. But in the Hebrew mind, in the Jewish culture, in the Hebrew New Year, the first of Nisan, which happened around March 20 to April 20 in our calendar, was the new year in which you had a new beginning, a fresh start, and it was caused as a result for great celebration. You knew that all the sins of the past year were forgotten now, and there's a new and fresh beginning. Now, Passover is also extremely important in the life of the Hebrews. It begins on the 15th day of Nisan. So Nisan 1 is the beginning of the Jewish calendar that happens somewhere between March 20 and April 20th in our calendar. Now you remember the Passover as well, the Exodus story. God sends a savior, Moshe or Moses, to rescue his people out of bondage in Egypt. Through Moshe or Moses, God performs signs and wonders. 
Does that sound familiar? He did the same thing through his Savior, Jesus. Through these signs and wonders, it is meant that Pharaoh and the Egyptians might repent. Rather, in the, in the Exodus story, Pharaoh hardens his heart. Therefore, God sends 10 plagues upon the land to inspire repentance. God is slow to anger, but there is a point in everyone's life where God gives you a chance or opportunity to repent. If you don't, then the plagues come. And there's only one way to be spared of the 10th and final plague in the Exodus account. You are to take a one-year-old unblemished lamb, place the blood over the doorpost, the blood of the lamb, and then we're told that the Lord will pass by or the angel of the death will pass over. Thus, it's called Passover. Now, the Israelites were delivered out of slavery into the promised land through this Passover event. And Passover... Much like Nisan, the new year on the Hebrew calendar, Passover remained one of the most popular and important Jewish holidays. In Jesus' day, so this is hundreds and hundreds of years after the Exodus event, when Jesus is born, when Jesus comes on the scene, Passover is perhaps the most important Jewish holiday and they're still celebrating it. Hundreds of years of remembrance. So even in Jesus' day, they were still continuing to take a one-year-old unblemished lamb take that lamb to the temple. They believed in what was called transference, where I would transfer my sins through the activity of the priest onto the lamb. And then the lamb would be sacrificed and my sins would be forgiven. They would be done away with. So even though you and I now know that this is a foreshadowing of the lamb of God, whose blood will take away the sins of the world, to the people in Jesus' day, this practice or Passover referred back to Genesis where God was pointing everything toward the ultimate story and the ultimate Passover and the ultimate sacrificial lamb of Jesus, his son, the Christ, the Messiah, our savior. So in the Old Testament, God is aligning everything up for the birth of Jesus. The sacrificial system is a foreshadowing of the lamb of God who will come and take away the sins of the world. Even Abraham, when he takes his son up on the mountain, he looks over and he sees a ram caught in the thicket. And what does the angel of the Lord say? God will provide the lamb. So take all of that, pull it in. Jewish Passover now, remember Nisan would be around March 20th in our calendar, but it was the Jewish new year. Passover is around April 6th in our terminology because it's the 15th day of Nisan. Nisan, the new year, Nisan 1, March 20. Then March 20th plus 15 days would be around April 5th or 6th. So there's an interesting discovery now that I've made this week. According to the complete Jewish Bible, the lambs raised for Passover in Jerusalem were actually all kept in Bethlehem. This would be a lucrative business this time of year for those who were shepherds. Think of the thousands of people that were making their way toward Jerusalem, April 5th through the 6th for the Passover. Think of the number of Hebrews stopping in Bethlehem to do their last minute shopping. I got to get the lamb to take Jerusalem for the sacrifice. So there would be many people passing through Bethlehem this time of year. Now, this is how profound this really is because the ultimate lamb, the lamb of God, is born in Bethlehem where all the little lambs for the Passover are kept. In fact, we're told that the angel appears to the shepherds, and this is what happened. I'm in Luke 2, uh, two verse 10. Do not be afraid. This is the word of the angel. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. 
He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in the manger. Now think about what's happening here. All the little lambs raised and prepared in Bethlehem to be sacrificed at Passover, 15th day of Nisan in Jerusalem. God, it just so happens that his little lamb, baby Jesus, is born in Bethlehem and he's born just days before, we think, the Passover. Stay with me, I'll get back to that. In effect, the angel says to the shepherds, you are now raising lambs for a sin offering in Jerusalem. Come see my little lamb, the lamb of God, who will go to Jerusalem and die for the sins of the world. Perhaps the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds because he knew the shepherd would get it. They would not need an exhaustive explanation of how the Messiah would be born in a manger as God's sacrificial lamb. Maybe they were already thinking in that context. Sure, the lambs for sacrifice in Jerusalem are born in Bethlehem. And by the way, remember, according to Luke chapter 2, verse 12, this will be a sign to you, is the word given to the shepherds. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, I wonder, I just wonder what the shepherds thought when they saw the manger scene and they came to the cave and they saw this little baby wrapped in cloths. Now, according to the historian Josephus, newborn lambs would be wrapped tightly in these swaddling cloths, in specifically designated temple cloths, and they would be laying in this manger scene in order to restrict them from movement while they were examined for blemishes. So the shepherds would have been used to a lamb that had been raised in their fields being restricted and examined in order to determine whether or not they could qualify for temple sacrifice. And I just wonder if the shepherds who were used to seeing these one-year-old lambs in that setting, did they fully comprehend that this is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world? Now, there's a second clue concerning the birth date of Jesus. In Exodus 12, the people of God, now remember, we're going all the way back to the Old Testament. We're hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus is ever born. The Israelites are giving, given direct Passover instructions. In verse 5 of Exodus 12, the animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month with all the members, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Now, let's think about what we just read, and I think we probably missed it for most of our lives, even those of us who've read the Bible again and again. The lamb that you took on Passover was to be a one-year-old lamb. And what did that mean? Well, that meant that the lamb had to be born one year before the month of Nisan because Passover is on the 15th day of Nisan. And remember, lambs are only born in certain times of year. They're not like people. So we're assuming that a lamb that was used for the temple sacrifice for Passover on 15th of Nisan was also born near or around 15th of Nisan one year earlier. So if the lamb had to be one year old on Passover, the 15th day of Nisan, April 5th and 6th, in our calendar, it would have had to be born in lambing season one year before. Now, just a quick note. Yeshua, our Messiah, Jesus, we read in the scripture, actually died on Passover. So if Jesus is the lamb of God, we would expect him to be born 
around in and around Nissan 15. We would also expect him to die in and around Nissan 15, which is Passover, the 15th day of the new year of the Hebrew calendar. Now, here's what's interesting. We're told in John 19 in the Gospels, in verse 41, at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation. Now, what is that? Well, that's Passover. So Jesus dies at Passover. Again, there's a strong tradition that the Passover lamb dies in the same month that it was born. And the question is, does that indicate that the Lamb of God was also born in the same month of Nisan, in the same month of Passover, in the Hebrew New Year, in our calendar date of March or April? Now, here's another clue. There's a, a very famous uh, Jewish rabbi that's making his ways around YouTube. I find him very interesting. I also find that he's a bit dramatic, so I have to kind of do some checking and double checking. But he reminds, as a Jewish rabbi who's been obviously converted to Christianity, he reminds us that the major events of Jesus' life all took place on Hebrew holy days. And he gives the example of Palm Sunday. He says the first holiday given to the Hebrews in the Old Testament was Palm Sunday. They didn't call it Palm Sunday, it was something else. And then he reads Exodus 12, verse three says this, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Now again, quickly, let's just, let's take a side note and then come back to this. I know there are many of you who still live in a culture like today and you say to yourself, well, that's why I don't like the Bible. You know, they slaughter animals. Can I just ask you to do something for a moment? Would you just step away from your cultural arrogance and somehow think your culture is better than every culture that is before yours? Is it possible that these were wise and educated people in those days too, that everything doesn't hang with us? And is it possible in those days and those times, this is exactly what needed to be done because God was writing his story on the face and on the globe of humanity? So is it possible that we could just step back for a moment and say, okay, I don't know what it was like then. I don't know how people thought then, but I know the history and I know that God is writing a story and whatever story he's writing will come to fruition. In a real way, Jesus had them sacrifice the lamb. God instructed them to sacrifice the lamb because of two primary objectives. God is writing a story in the Old Testament to show us that there must be a transference away from us, our sin, onto something else, that we're never gonna be good enough to be right with God. It's impossible. So somewhere along the line, our thinking has to change. There's nothing we can do to merit salvation from God so somewhere along the line, we've got to have a scapegoat. We've got to have a transference. We've got to be able to take our sin and put it onto something else. Again, God is building a story toward the Messiah. You know, I once heard a sermon when I was younger. It was an African-American preacher who was quite gifted. And the title of his sermon was, How Fat Would Your Lamb Be? What he's saying is, if you transferred your sin onto the lamb, how fat would the lamb be? How over burden or overwhelmed would your lamb be? And then there was a challenge for us to take, take inventory of how far we truly are away from God. But there's a second part of that. This whole sacrificial system is a foreshadowing. Again, God is telling the story. There is a narrative that he's building for understanding of the seriousness of your sin. Like we just read where it was required that this lamb that you chose, that you would one day take, on the Passover celebration to sacrifice for your sins, 
you would first take that lamb home with you for four days. Now, what do you do? What happens to the kids? What happens to any of us when we take an animal that we've just come into contact with home for four days? You think this was not done on purpose by the God of the universe? Because there is care and there is concern and there is empathy and there's provision. You even start to form as best you can a relationship with the animal. God is trying to show you that no matter how much you love that little lamb, it can in no way compare with the depth of God's love for you, which is why he gave his lamb, the lamb of God, so that you and I would be spared. Now let's go back to what we just read in Exodus 12. We're told that on the 10th day of Nisan, so let's review. The first year, the new year rather, the first day of the new year in the Hebrew calendar is called the month of Nisan. Nisan is the new year. On the first day of Nisan, which would be around March 20th on our calendar, it was the beginning of the new year. 15 days later, on the 15th day of Nisan was the Passover, where you celebrated this transference of all your sin from the past year onto the lamb as a foreshadowing that one day the lamb of God would take away the sins of the world. On the 10th day of Nisan, five days before Passover, you would actually choose the lamb. That day in Hebrew culture was referred to as the day of the lamb. It's also the same day as Palm Sunday. So the 10th of Nisan, the day of the lamb, you chose the lamb, you took it home with you until the 15th day when you offered it as a sacrifice at Passover. 10th day, day of the lamb. 14th day, get ready for the day of sacrifice. 15th day, the Passover. Now, here's what's so amazing about all of this. When Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem on a donkey with all the palm branches waving and all the singing and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Guess what day it is? It's Palm Sunday, yeah, but what about to the Hebrews? It's the 10th of Nisan, the day of the lamb. The day that you chose your lamb to take to the temple sacrifice, God, as he brings his lamb into the city, is saying, I have chose my lamb, and he is on his way to Jerusalem on Passover, and he will be slain before the foundations of the world. Let me show you something else. In John chapter 12, and I know we're covering a lot of stuff, but remember, every Christmas we go, something like, we go into something like this to help us understand the miraculous nature of Christmas goes far beyond just the birth narrative. It's written from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. And so in John 12, the fourth gospel, we read this in chapter 12, verse one. Six days before the Passover, now, the 15th of Nisan is Passover. So six days before Passover would be what? Nisan 9. We're told Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, who Jesus raised from the dead. Then we skip down into verse 12. And verse 12 says the next day, now what would that be? Well, that would be five days before Passover, Nisan 10. What's Nisan 10? The day of the lamb, the day you chose your lamb for the Passover. The Bible says the great crowd had come for the festival. They heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And then we're told in the scripture, what we just described a few moments ago, they took the palm branches. They went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. So Nisan 10 the day of the lamb, Palm Sunday, as the people are taking their lambs to their house, God is taking his lamb to his home, Jerusalem, where he will be slaughtered for your sins and mine. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining us. Next time, we'll bring you the rest of this message from Pastor Jeff. 
Now, here's what's interesting. The first command given back in Exodus 3, it goes like this, Exodus 3, 3. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of that month, the month of Nisan, each man is to take a lamb for his family. What's really interesting, the Hebrew word take there is also the word for accept or to receive the lamb. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Vines from Los Angeles, California. Can I tell you that this Christmas is going to mean something very special to me? Even those of us who preach the gospel often and spend a lot of our days in the Word of God, as you grow and mature in your faith, you start to see things perhaps you've never seen before. And this is one of those years. And the reason is because I have a granddaughter now. And I've learned something about the love of God. You know, the Bible tells us that if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more then can God give good gifts to those who love Him? I thought I had understood this until I had a granddaughter. This Christmas is going to mean a lot to me because I feel like I've regained the wonder. My little granddaughter came into this world. Her name is Ada, totally dependent upon her parents to bathe her, to clothe her. In fact, when my daughter-in-law, Jessica, was pregnant with Ada, I remembered how much a child depends on the parent. But the other thing is, when little Ada grows up now, she's almost three years old, she walks into a room totally confident that everybody's interested in everything she has to say. Whether intelligent, non-intelligent, everyone's interested. And it reminded me that Jesus actually said that unless you become a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, as children, Christmas holds so much wonder because God himself holds so much wonder. And sometimes we lose the wonder of Christmas because we lose the wonder of God. Jesus is trying to help us understand that God loves us. If we can love our grandchildren the way we love our grandchildren, how much more then can God love us? And I'm reminded of how dependent I am on God, really dependent, that anytime I take confidence in my self-righteousness, it's only a day or two when I realize that every time I take two steps forward, I seem to take three steps back. I need forgiveness every day of my life. I need grace. But the other thing is, if you don't understand how much you depend on God, then quite frankly, you won't depend on God for every moment of your life. When you start to somehow in the course of life devalue the love of God. That is, that Jesus is actually interested in every thought you have. Every time you walk into a room, He wants to know what you're thinking. He cares about every event of your life. See, if you have too low a view of Jesus, you can't approach Him childlike. And if you have too high a view of yourself, you can't approach Him as a child approaches the parent. I've understood perhaps for the first time, if God loves me, like I love my little granddaughter, Ada, who will often ignore me, (laughs) but I still love her, who will often go throughout her day without thinking of me, but I still love her, and who will often do things to manipulate me, and yet I still love her. If I, though being evil, can love my granddaughter, how much more can God love me? And that reminds me the wonder of Christmas has to do a lot with the wonder of God that in my humanity, Although sometimes I ignore God, although sometimes I show no interest, although sometimes I become self-serving, self-aggrandizing, downright narcissistic, 
God never stops loving me. And quite frankly, I'm amazed at that. I hope that you will regain the wonder of Christmas as you regain the wonder of God and how much he loves you. It is immeasurable. Merry Christmas, everybody.